we are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to jump in and dissect, uh, debrief, um, declassify oh that might be a good one for the oh for the that's NASA a good thing. one right there i like we that might be able to jump in and uh and, and just dig into the message from our april breakfast with gabe sherman uh i mentally prepare yourself for this matt i was not at the breakfast so i had to listen to the audio recording of this what? so i'm going to be leaning what? pretty heavily on you to maybe bring in a, a little additional color to like maybe what i missed or whatever else i'm sure there's a giant guilt trip on the other side of this so i'm mentally prepared for that but oh uh, be, beyond that, uh, it, it was a fantastic message. I'm sure it was probably the best breakfast. I heard they had breakfast burritos this time because uh, we had a big crowd. But, uh, man. A big I, crowd. It was a record-breaking crowd. Okay, record-breaking crowd. The largest attendance ever. The did largest he, ticket sales ever. Did he, uh, ever. Did, he, did he draw a larger crowd than Bridenstine? Because I thought Bridenstine yes. was a big one. Wow, okay. No, so he's probably a good thing Ryan I wasn't Steyer. there. He beat PWG. We could have added another number, another head count to the record. Ooh, Man, I don't, it was like 521 attended, I think. And wow. Way north of that uh, was the ticket sales, of course. But we had like 90%. Usually we're at 80% people attend who buy tickets. Yeah. We're at like 90%. It was, it was, it was a fantastic event. Um, sorry you missed it. Of course, there's so many people there. <laughs> I would not have looked around, but I didn't see you. You wouldn't have found me because I wasn't there, but um, I did get to hear the audio, which is fantastic. And and honestly, it's probably good to uh, you know open up that seat for somebody else. Um, so because I, I know that I'm going to engage with the content and uh, uh, do it this way. But uh, yeah, man, fantastic turnout. It sounds like love that uh, we had as many people there as we did. I Gabe mentioned that it was maybe a good Friday thing. I don't know how much that actually played into it. Um, but, uh, ultimately I just think that, uh, so I personally know Gabe. So this one, this one's like a little tough for me in, in the sense that, you know, I, I kind of know his story. So I want to try to pull in as much of that as I possibly can and, and just know that he's a good dude. And, and man, um, I've got, I've gotten to see him, like I actually went down and visited him when he was uh, working as the chief of staff in, at NASA and to see him in that element wow. and to just kind of see uh, kind of the role that he played. We, we, we got to meet with Bridenstine and, and, uh, and kind of see him running the organization for, for a specific launch, uh, one of the Boeing launches. So that was a, just a really cool experience as it is. But I knew, I knew Gabe before then. I knew, I knew Gabe kind of when he was here in Tulsa, he was working with Bridenstine and so I've heard some of the stories, but it's it's really kind of cool to see his journey. Um, and, and I think that he did a really good job communicating, like, kind of his heart through all of it. And, uh, you know, I, I always feel like he's been really transparent in, in his journey in terms of, like, uh, drawing people in, uh, being open, being vulnerable, willing to talk about that stuff. And uh, I, I think we had a really great example of that at the actual breakfast. But uh, before we jump into that, you know, just want to open it up to you to maybe talk a little bit about the breakfast. If there's anything that I missed in terms of not being there um, that we want to bring up. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great crowd, it sounds like. And, and uh, just love the direction that everything's going. 
yeah, electric atmosphere, no doubt. Get to a breakfast if you've not been, if you're, if you're just catching it on the podcast. It was an incredible message. There was so much built up around the hype of such a huge breakfast and the number of people there and the in and out that really the my re-listen is what really impacted me the most because there was so much, you, you nailed it, so much transparency in the beginning half. So he breaks it into kind of two halves. The first half is just kind of the story to get there. And the whole time I was kind of like, come on, man, you know, what did you really deal with? What did you struggle with? You know, and he gets to that at the back half at the end. But then when I re-listened to it, I caught so much more. I caught so much more of how he had to deal with things and kind of just even the difficulty you could hear in his voice with dealing with his family when they had to move to Florida and then his girls being part of the confirmation of whether he's supposed to go or not. And he said a lot of things that I love personally when people talk about him in brotherhood and they talk about that struggle in that space where it was like, hey, this didn't land at home. Everybody tells a NASA quote unquote story and assumes, we all assume in the background that uh, mom, dad and kids and all that, they were just cheering them on. Yeah, we want to change our lives. We want to move. We want to change schools. We want to do all those things. We just assume that that's the case. And I love that he pointed out that that was not necessarily the case. Of course, they did end up moving, but there was some anguish and some stress. And he said it wasn't an open, closed deal as you might think. Just, you know, hey, dad's doing this. We're going. You know, that's we don't live in that world if it ever did exist. And that was cool to hear. I love that stuff about brotherhood. That was the heart of brotherhood when you started bringing up speakers is that guys that were in the day to day that had struggles that they would be transparent about and allude to beyond just like, hey, here's my breakdown of scripture and how it can apply to your life. That's a standard pastoral role. But man, Gabe hit it with just telling the story. And then, of course, he hits the end with some very strong points that men have to hear, men have to deal with. And he had gone through himself going from, I mean, really such a great story that he tells his rise to the top and he's one of the most important people in America. And then in a minute, he even mentions this, in a minute, 12 to 1201, he goes from very, very important to very, very unknown. And that is, that's a difficult challenge spiritually, in your soul, all those things. So, yeah, I mean, let's get into it. What are those points? What, what did you see on your relist and, and hear that just impacted you? Yeah, so I, I'm hoping that I can accurately uh, communicate all of this through the podcast because there's, there's a lot that I want to say, and I just I want to make sure that I kind of weave it in in, in the right ways. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I to kind of go back a little bit to what you're talking about. I definitely can relate to that uh, that shift, right, that shift from, you know, being an important person and, and having, you know, people that want to talk to you and leading a group and, and having a mission and doing all that other stuff. And then next thing you know, you're like, uh, you know, th th it all changes. Like, I, I so that that was my journey. Uh, at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. So that's, for me, it was, you know, I had a piece about it um, that I, I feel like he did too, but, you know, he handled it a little bit differently. But, uh, you know, from from my viewpoint of knowing Gabe and and, and knowing the, the history that he's had in, in terms of just the experience that he has, like if he were to come to me and it was like, man, hey, you know, I'm, I'm back basically at, at square one. Like I got to find a new career. I got to uh, do a new thing, um, you know, Part of me would have been like, are you serious, Gabe? Like, dude, you're amazing. Like, I think that you have so much experience that there's going to be a line of people that want to hire you 
or, you know, on the other side of it, if you wanted to start your own thing, I think you could absolutely do that. But until you're really in that situation, like it's funny that he even kind of admitted that he like kind of walked out to one of his kids and he's like, well, am I still cool? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm not this guy anymore. And, yeah. uh, you know, just, uh, just, just relating to that. Cause you know, for me, it was, it was a very, very similar experience, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But one of the things that I, and I don't know really know how to work it in other than the biggest thing that stood out for me in the multiple listens that I had to, to what Gabe was talking about here, knowing his story, knowing kind of what he went through and, and where he is today. I, I think that the thing that jumped out at me the most was there was a lot of open-ended questions that led him to his next step. And mm, it was, uh, it was, it was to the, to the extent to where, it was so noticeable to me that I wanted to make sure that we highlighted it, but also um, to kind of pinpoint from a brotherhood perspective or even just a leadership perspective, like sometimes we just got to ask the right questions because I feel like the, the questions that he asked are a really good template for when adversity comes or there's challenges or there's, uh, you know, some, some sort of major life event going on. A lot of the questions that he had were questions to God. And I, I think that for me, like trying to figure out like in, in my walk and in, in trusting in God and, and just trying to build, continue to build that personal relationship with him, am I quick to ask him what I should do? Or am I quick to come back to him and say, uh, hey, God, here's what I'm wanting to do. <laughs> what do you think? I, I, his questions weren't always uh, along the lines of, God, here's what I'm thinking. What do you want me to do? It. it let's see if I can highlight some of the he said, uh, God, is this your plan? Uh, is this the right? When he was praying with, with Jim, uh, he even asked God it, about whether or not Jim should do the billboards. He's like, you know, hey, God, is this the right marketing for the museum? And just kind of that open posture of, uh, you know, God, what, what do you want to do through this? Uh, what do you want to do in this journey? Um, let's see, where else was it? There was... What's the mission for us? So, so whenever he was, um, and oh, and how do we want to start moving forward with the agency forward? Because like when he got to the point where he was working at NASA, he was like, "What do we bring into this?" Like you know, from the knowledge that they had to what the position was, his first question kind of was, "Was like, what's the mission? How how can I operate in my gifts, God, the gifts that you've given me?" How can I operate in those and make an impact? And I feel like every time he he asked those questions, the answers naturally came. But I think for what I specifically want to highlight is uh, like figuring out ways to incorporate your relationship with God in those decisions, in those everyday decisions, in those major decisions, to the extent that what Gabe was talking about is like he created us for a purpose. He designed us. He, he built us with an identity like we are his created beings. And uh in that regard, deferring back to our creator for direction. And I think that that's, that's for me was like one of the biggest things that really stood out to me. Yeah. The stress levels with sitting at a table with what he says, quote, some of the smartest people in the world in quote, and having to dial into your strengths and saying, okay, God brought me here for a reason. There's value and importance. I mean, that stresses my insecurity just hearing about it, having to look at people immensely more qualified than me and, in his, you know, him looking at himself and saying, okay, I've got to be chief of said staff. That's, 
that's an unbelievable amount of pressure on your identity, which ends up being his whole message about who he was, who he is, and how God plays into that, and maybe better said, how God defines that. And I just, bringing out that mental energy, I think we've all been in places where you're like, why am I either in charge? Why am I in the room? Why am I here? Why, like, what can I actually do that's effective here? Or maybe the insecure question is, man, I'm going to mess this up. Oh, I'm, I'm just, shoot, I can't, I can't do that. Or I better listen to that person. Or I better not do that idea. Or I better not think this. It's those little lies that come to you. And to be able to center in on God's word and say, okay, he's crafted me for a purpose. He's given me an identity that's defined by him, not by those people around me, nor by my own abilities. I'm going to walk in this, approach it in prayer as he did, walk in faith. I mean, that's just such a, it, it encourages me to know that there was at least a couple people like that in our government. Because you don't hear about those things. Those things, I mean, I, I know they're not marketed by the media, and I don't think anybody's telling them. Because, I mean, that's, that's why it will get you axed quick. You say you're believing in faith at NASA. <laughs> yeah, I think the quote that he had was, uh, if if everything's going easy for you in Congress, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Oh, my. But, you know, at the same time, it's like he knew, like, I feel like he asked the right questions and learned his, his purpose, right? And through that, he was able to navigate that role in spite of all the adversity that he has. I mean, one of the things that we, we talk about from a brotherhood perspective is that a brother's built for adversity. And I, I think that there's, like, this is a, a good example of that because when you find yourself in that place of leadership, there are times where you need to stand up to something or there's battles that you need to fight or there's things that you need to do that are not going to be easy. And I think having that confirmation, that identity of who you are, uh, as well as uh, you know, more, maybe a little bit more loosely, like having a brotherhood that has your back, like knowing that we're built for this, that we're, if we just continue to go with the current of, uh, whether it's culture or, uh, politics or whatever else, that that current is, is a very strong current and it's going to take a strong leader. It's going to take a, a man of faith to, to step into a role that they can weather that storm and do what's right because sometimes doing what's right is not the easy path. And so I, I think kind of twofold in that, knowing that we're built for adversity and preparing ourselves for that adversity is 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 paramount to when you you get into that situation, you know what's going on and you say, okay, this is this is a moment where I need to make a key decision. Like I think anybody can do a lot of the jobs out there or anybody can quote unquote be a leader. But I think true leadership is is recognizing when those big decisions are, seeing that stuff before it happens, or being willing to take a stand when you know that it's it's not going to be something that uh, is going to be attractive to everybody. And so, in, in that regard, you know the identity message that he has, and knowing who God says he is, and, and what God created him to be, some of the stuff that he kind of gets into a little bit further on. I think played a, a really big role because if you if you kind of rewind back to some of the things that he was saying in the beginning when he was working at the museum, uh, he said, you know, Jim had called him and, and said that he wanted him to be his campaign manager. And he's like, but I'm just a marketer. Like, that's that's all I know how to do. And and I think he went from that to like, I don't I don't know what I'm doing to literally every single bit of adversity led him to the point where it's like, Hey, we want you to be the chief of staff for NASA. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. There was a big jump 
there. But I think the cool thing about the story is you can look at the, like where he started, which is like, there's no reason I should be doing this. I'm not prepared for this to God's gotten me through all of these things. He's, he's uh, allowed me to operate in his will. And in some, in some capacity, but in, in, in a lot of that capacity or in the, in the entire capacity of that, recognizing that um, if you stay in the middle of God's plan, you're in the right spot. And God's plan is going to take you outside of maybe even what you're prepared for. But that puts you in a position where you can trust. That puts you in a position where you can um, ultimately point back to him. Because like he said with the campaign, he was getting the phone calls of people saying, how did you guys do this? Like, you know, the budget wasn't there. The advertising wasn't there. There was a lot of things that weren't there. And all he can really say is not because of me, but because of God. And you can kind of point back to that. And I think even as a NASA administrator, not because of, not because of uh, his history of working at the Tulsa Air and Space Museum or selling cars, but because of operating and being willing to say yes to God and allowing God to move through you and figuring out or asking the right questions to get back to that thing, asking God the right questions. What, what do you want to use me for in this situation? Looking back at that saying, wow, how, how cool is it that he was able to do that? And then I think the, the bigger kind of shining moment from it all is having the mission and the vision of what they put into place with their administration carry on to a completely different administration. That was the true success of the situation. Um, had he really been ill-equipped to do what he was doing, that Artemis project probably would have not happened. But because of him operating in God's will, asking the right questions, and leaning into the identity that God had, had has for him is where they were able to accomplish some pretty amazing stuff to the extent of, you know, they, they launched a manned space mission from American soil using American rockets, uh, and they put, I think it was, what, Bob and Phil? Bob and Doug. Whatever those guys. Bob and Doug. Bob and Doug. They launched Bob and Doug into, uh, into the atmosphere, and that was all through through the administration that, that they, they were overseeing and during COVID and running NASA from their living rooms. Like just some of those statements alone just, just uh, completely blow my mind. Well, all of that strikes me with this statement he said. He said, you can't know who we are completely unless we completely know our Heavenly Father. And my experience in getting to know my Heavenly Father is it's during adversity. It's when things are, I'm really having to trust in Him. And that's what I see all through His story is adversity after adversity after adversity after adversity. And that's where you get that identity. That's where you you start to understand. He did a great job of defining the idea of things that you're responsible for are not necessarily built on you. And, you know, you mentioned the Artemis Project earlier. What struck me is if that had been built solely on his charisma, his capacity to bring everybody together, his capacity to market, whatever his chief gift was as that role, that thing would have likely faltered when he disappeared. Well, the fact that it's going further and going on is a tribute to building something that's bigger than he is as far as an individual and is spread across much larger, um, a much more larger group of people. Yeah. I mean, I've heard people say something to the uh, effect of like, I'm so glad that God had more for me than what I thought I had for myself. And I think that sometimes it's tough to surrender that 
what we think is our purpose or what we think is our identity to God, because I don't know if it's a thing where we're as humans, like we see some of our accomplishments and we start to get confidence in our accomplishments to the point where at some point we turn back to God and say, Hey, I know you created all this. Um, but I got it from here. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm just going to take it over from here. I know what's best for me. Uh, I know you, I knew you, uh, you know, wired me and created me and know the number of hairs on my head. Yeah. That's not going to help me do X, Y, and Z. And it's, it's really just ridiculous that we do that. But the temptation is, is there 99% of the time to trust in our own experience as opposed to, uh, you know, trusting in God's will for us. But, I think the cool thing about Gabe's story is that as he continued to pursue being in the center of God's will, that took him places that he didn't even comprehend. I mean, if you go back to him when he was uh, a director at the Tulsa Air and Space Museum and say, hey, in five years, 10 years time, you're going to be working for the director of NASA. You're currently working with the director of NASA. And you're going to be chief of staff for NASA, and you're going to help launch a space program to put men into space uh, and back and go back to the moon. And ultimately, some of the relics here, like you wanted to bring a, a, a space shuttle to Tulsa, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to help you put people on the moon. I mean, how cool is that? Like Jim's goal was a space shuttle in Tulsa. God's goal is way bigger than that. Like we don't want a relic. We want you actually touching and interacting with the technology that's going to be the next generation of that. And knowing, knowing Jim's love for aviation and and Jim's love for space. And, you know, I I think there's just, I think there's just a natural desire for us to explore. There's a natural desire for us to uh, pursue big, lofty, audacious goals. And I think God puts it, puts, puts that in us. But once we, maybe apply a little bit of logic to it. We, we, we have no, no clue how we're going to do it, but it's just those, that slow obedience in the same direction. We're, we're trusting God. We're taking those steps. We're leaning on the experience that he's given us by operating in his will. So that when he gets us to a point where he's like, Hey, I want you to do this. You're like, yes, God, you know, here I am. Use me. And I think that Gabe's story is, is a great example of that, but I think the other cool thing about this story is he he pulled back the curtain multiple times and talked about his role as a father uh, and his role with his family through all this stuff. Because I think it'd be really easy to celebrate some of the accomplishments that that he's had from a career standpoint. But how many people do you know that have been very successful in their career, but their home life is a disaster or their marriage falls apart or they don't have a relationship with their kids? They don't have like a legacy to really tie into. Uh, they, they've poured every bit of their life into this career that they have or this accomplishment that they want to do, but at what cost? And I feel like Gabe, uh, was mindful of that and was able to incorporate that into, into that journey of his to the extent where I, I feel like, I don't know that he said it, but it, it made it sound like his family played a really big role in, in that final decision to go to NASA. And, uh, I, I think maybe a, a different person would have just said, Hey, we're going. And I don't care what you say. This is something that dad wants to do. Um, but it doesn't sound like that was the conversation. He was still able to do the desires of his heart while modeling fatherhood to his kids, while helping point his kids to trusting in God, 
and, and, and helping them to, you know, establish their own relationship with God. That's to me, that's just as much of a success as everything else that he talked about. Yeah. 100%. That's the experience that I've had in my own walk of success. I have quoted this scripture a number of times over the last couple months, just in my respect and awe for what God has done in my life. And then I see it. You just described it so beautifully. I wrote it down too in Gabe's life. It's Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. You know, when I look at Gabe's life and his story, if you got down to brass tacks, he probably did a lot of the strategic things that other people do to get to that place. By no means do I think, well, it's not that he, I mean, I think he earned his spot. I know he feigns this idea that somehow he had nothing to do with it and he just, you know, it's, it's a humble place, but he's still obviously sharp. He's obviously got the goods to be able to go accomplish these things. So I say that to say, if you took a list of the things he did to win the election with Bridenstine, to get him confirmed, to win in NASA, he probably did a lot of the things that we would say, oh yeah, that's what everybody does to succeed. But the fact that he kept his family intact, the, the fact that he was willing to push pause for a while on something so exciting, I mean, Bridenstine getting it, getting, getting the confirmation, and then in a month, you're supposed to be landing in NASA. And he paused long enough to, from the, what the story sounded like, is that he discussed it with his wife, and it sounded like it was a no. I don't know him well enough, maybe you could ask him, but it sounded like it at least was leaning towards a no because of the stress that it was apparently putting on his wife and the two girls. And then the two girls come back crying in the car, as he tells it, and they say, Dad, we're supposed to go. And that just tells me that that story, he put, had to put pause on it as a dad, that it sounded like it was in jeopardy for a bit. And that's tough. But those are the things that when you trust God at, and sometimes you don't get the cheapest NASA, uh, chief of NASA job and you take, it's another opportunity. But the fact that there's no sorrow added to it, he's still got his family. He's coming back. I mean, think about even the, whether he crafted this or not, the story that says, I put pause on it. My kids in tears confirmed, hey, we're going to go. Fast forward, now you're in Virginia. And wife and daughters are like, whoa, 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 you're off for 50 days in a row selling the Artemis Project, and we're over here just hanging out by ourselves with no friends, no connection, starting a new school. We need to slow some things down. He tells that part of the story and then ends it with, when it was all over, who was there to meet him? Who was there that he gave a hug to? His daughter. So that's no sorrow to it, that whole walk. Getting to the end of fame, fortune, all the accolades to the highest point you could get in the world. And then seeing what's important only in this story, he didn't lose it. So many of those stories, you know this is true, Evan, that we hear. It's like I turned around and all this was gone and I wanted it all back. He had it. He didn't lose it. He didn't lose his family. He didn't lose the things that were important to him. That's huge. That is getting your identity from God. That is, he said in one of his uh, quotes, getting your validation from God, constantly shifting that confirmation and that stable place you're standing on to God's foundation, rather than setting it on yourself, your own wisdom, your own capacity, your own charisma. I mean, that is where God has been so good. I see it to Gabe. 
man, I've experienced it. Undoubtedly, you've experienced it. That is the benefit in walking with God. It's not guaranteed success like the world would say. It's guaranteed no sorrow with whatever success comes along. I just want to say that I'm just really like wanting to soak in this moment here. You just made a really good point, and I just want to I just want to like recognize that because uh, you know it's you just come a long way, man. So I'm re- I'm really really proud of you. You're, you're you're digging deeper into this content, and you're starting to starting to uh, pull out some gold nuggets, man. So this is this is awesome, man. Great job. Oh well, can't go a single show. You gotta Wait, no, somehow. Don't don't tw- don't twist You're my this. mentor. No, somehow you're. Listen, this is, this is awesome. Listen, listen, it's just because no. you're so spiritually hungry right now because you haven't been to the breakfast. You know, I don't even know if you went to church on there. Easter. Who I'm knows? Sorry. I think I, I got the picture to prove it. Uh, online? Oh, you know Did what? you watch it from the lake? No, no, we're not going to gonna... oh, you gotta... I, we, we need to deflect. You were on the boat. We you were on the boat. Uh, I was not on a boat. I was not on, on the boat. boat. I was not on a boat. Golly. I'm just saying this Jesus is this is this is a really big moment. I'm like I'm, I'm really proud of you. This like that I love that that uh that perspective of you know, he had to pursue his family and then the first person that he went to was was his daughter and uh that was that was a chef's kiss. That was that was great. So it's it's uh I'm not I don't think I can add anything to that other than I think it was a really great point and uh and I think it shows God's goodness. I know you're you're calling it no sorrow added to it, and and I and I 100% agree. I think that's what true success can look like. I think success does have sacrifice, but I think it's not it's not at a at an unbearable cost. It's not at a cost of uh you know legacy. It's not at a cost of uh, fulfillment. It's not at a cost of family. It's it's God's plan has all of it together. I think our individual plans, our goals that we pursue and, and, and try to do on our own. I, th- I think, I think you can win those things I, and, and you can win in one element, but, but God's is multifaceted. And I think that's the, that's the, that's the, uh, yeah, pursuit that's really that from a brotherhood perspective, I, I want to aspire people to know that that's possible. And I think Gabe did a, a beautiful job uh, communicating that. But I mean, the other thing too is, you know, his Gabe's story is not over. It doesn't like, it doesn't end now that, uh, you know, he's, he's got up there and spoke, like he still has to continue to pursue that stuff. But I think, you know, to celebrate those moments in time and to celebrate those milestones and, and, and those seasons is, is, is really important too. I do want to jump into the identity part of this because obviously that that's where the, the, the big, um, meat of the message was and, and the tough part is that you know he wasn't really able to go super deep in into all of his points because you know he's running on, low on time but man i don't know about you uh and, and i don't want to be cliche about it um and, and give the typical like oh the culture is all about identity right now um that it, it just when i kind of step back from it and, and everything that gabe talked about here is 100 percent on point in terms of like where we should put our identity, but I think it all almost indirectly points to a, a couple things about identity. One, that God created our identity as a creator, and that identity is to be His son uh, and everything that comes with that. So that's kind of the 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 identity part that I don't know. Maybe we overlook. Maybe we forget about. Um, you know the. Uh, 
when we're talking about Easter and Christ going to the cross, like I, I know that that is like the pinnacle of sacrifice and love and everything, but I, I almost feel like it gets diluted sometimes. Uh, and, and I think to the, uh, to the same extent, our, our identity in Christ gets diluted sometimes. I think we get so caught up in everything else that we forget about, you know, who God says we are and, and what he's done for us and why he, why he did what he did for us. I mean, that, that, that's a multi podcast episode right there. Uh, just comprehending that. So I don't want to, I don't want to glaze over that, but I do think that, you know, when we think about, or when I think about just the, I don't, I don't want to, isn't an attack on identity. I don't, I don't know what you would even call it. It's a cultural shift or a mindset shift like that to me, just knowing the, the parts that are right here and what Gabe talked about kind of shows me why there's such a spiritual battle for identity in it in, in general and, and, and why that's becoming up for debate. Like, I don't think people before would argue that, you know, like we choose our identity or, or what we put our identity in. Like historically it's been kind of what Gabe talked about. Like our identity is tied up in our occupation, at least from a, from a guy's standpoint. And the challenges of losing that identity when that can be taken away from you. Uh, now the the culture has shifted not just from occupation to essentially everything else. I mean, whether you're a, like a human, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're a animal, what uh, this identity uh, crisis is is continuing to grow. And I believe that's a strategic thing. I believe that there's a reason that we're trying to blur those lines from an identity standpoint, because it takes us away from our identity in Christ. It takes us away from what we were, what God created us for to that distraction to where you start to pursue that selfish internal God, I got this. I know who I am, or maybe even more bold. God, you made a mistake. You, 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 you didn't make me the way that you were supposed to make me. And I'm going to now decide what that is, man. It just knowing who God it says we are is so much more important today to the extent that, man, I, I, I just struggle to look uh, at, a, at a moment in time where you're face to face with God and you say, hey, God, you made a mistake with me. You didn't give me the things that I was supposed to have. So I, I took it upon myself to change that. I took it upon myself to redefine who, who I am. That's a, that's a bold move. Um, and, and I think ultimately that move, um, is just a, a means to distract us from our relationship with God. It's meant to distract us from, um, our relationships with other people. Uh, when we get so centrally focused on ourselves, that, that doesn't build relationships. And, and God wants us to be relational. He wants us to be in a brotherhood. He wants us to pursue Christ together and, and pursue discipleship and, and pursue loving other people. And it's when we're so internally focused, it's difficult. It's not difficult to do. It's impossible to do because the only thing that matters at that point is how we feel and, and that central focus to whereas, you know, what God's saying is, you know, he's a God of abundance. He's a God of peace. He's a God of patience. He's a God of love. I mean, love is relational. And in order to do that, we need to be in community with other people. And if we're so centrally focused, we can't do that. We can't do that effectively and we can't do that well. 
So for, for Gabe to really kind of just point back to, you know, from a career standpoint, from a child of God standpoint, who, who did God create me to be and how do I discover what God thinks about me? And he outlines it in those verses in, in the cards. So it's starting with Psalms 193, 13 through 16. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. That statement feels controversial today for some reason. <laughs> and I believe that that's, I, I think it's by design to say, we, we know better than God. And uh, I would say from a brotherhood perspective, we need to pursue Christ even more because that's the headwinds that we're going up against. Yeah, you know, I was talking to Jessica last night, actually, about some of those headwinds. And man, it motivated me to dig in deep and continue to establish my identity, identity in Christ, to show my kids that, that my identity was set in the foundation of Christ. You know, going back to a few minutes ago when you mentioned, you know, is there an attack on identity? Is there, you know, is there something that is going on right now? I'm sure, yes. I would say it's always been there. You know, I didn't even get a sense, one bit of the political side, ironically, uh, being that he's talking politics, but the political side of what you were just talking about in our fight currently in our society and culture for identity and the arrogance that we would have as humanity to say, no, God, you actually did that incorrectly. I'm going to define myself as this. I don't know that a few decades ago, we like to look back and say, well, this is kind of a new thing. But I think as humans, we take that arrogant posture quite a bit when we pursue pursuits that we know, maybe we don't know, we haven't asked God what his thoughts are. You know, I've seen the majority of my spiritual success and growth in submitting my God, myself to God. That simple. Deciding that his ways for me were better, his thoughts for, for me were better, and then I would take those upon them, even if I didn't like them, even if I didn't understand them. And really, that was Gabe's message in a much more positive light. You know, on that card he gave... I'll tell you, if you're listening to this and you're not taking those cards when we provide them at the breakfast, that needs to go in your back pocket. And you just need to pull that out a couple times over the month and just read through it. I take a picture of it and I'll flip through it in my devotions on notes. I've actually got one and brought it to my office because this one was so good. But he, one of his points were the enemy thrives when men experience identity crisis. The, the enemy's thriving because by and large men as a whole are not just experiencing an identity crisis right now. We've experienced an identity crisis for decades at this point. You go pick a decade and men are chasing something that's not what God has for them. Down to where some of us are so confused now. We're way off course, way off base. It's a tough thing to humble yourself and say, I can't define myself. In a world where social media would declare, be your own hero, social media would say, hey, define yourself how you want to be seen. You know, the, the tools to redefine yourself are in your hands now. You don't, 
it's a very, I won't say easy, or maybe it's easy to do, not simple, but that identity that we find in God, having your creator look at you and say, this is who you're designed to be. And then having the humility to trust him on the back end of that is the satisfaction you're looking for, the fulfillment you're looking for. It's everything you're looking for as a man. Whoever's listening, whoever's catching this podcast, me, Evan, it is what we're looking for. It is, but you don't get it at the front end. You know, it's like what Pastor Willie George talks about all the time about feelings being something that follows you, not something that leads you. You don't get that sense of like, yes, this is who I am. Majority of and I'll speak for myself, majority of time God says, hey, this is what I want you to do. I'm a little bit disappointed because I'm like, man, I thought I was better than that. I thought I was more important, more capable, more all these things than what you're having me do. But then on the back end, I'm always like, man, Lord, I'm so grateful you didn't follow my plan. <laughs> like, I am so thankful because now I see my plan working in other people, maybe even if they're gifted to do it. And I'm like, oh, I'd be miserable. And then I see your plan, Lord, working in my life. And I think this is magic. Like, I feel like I'm cheating. Like, this is ridiculously good. And it feels almost as if it's too abundant in my life. The feeling of God working on my behalf. It's like, it's too much. It's, it's too much. So I've learned to practice that initial humility at first, even though to this day, I still get frustrated. It's amazing how I can be tricked briefly while I'm submitting to God and being like, man, but I think I have a better idea. I like this one over here better. And he's like, nope, let's, let's just submit to my ways. I have a better path for you. And then you get on the back end. You're like, oh yeah, why did I doubt again? What was it that I was, and I can't imagine Gabe feels like that because you hear it all through. You, you mentioned earlier, you went from car sales, to real estate, to billboards, to next thing you know, he's at the museum, and next thing you know, he's at NASA? Like, that's that's a pathway that requires constant saying, okay, all right, Lord, I'll go sell billboards. That, sound, that doesn't sound very important. Or, you know what, I'll go take this gig that I feel terribly unqualified for at the Space Museum, and then I'll, I'm going to take a campaign manager. Like, those kind of decisions – we champion them now because on the back end, we get to see he went to NASA. But on the front end, you don't get that insight into your future. You got to choose to follow God based on what you see at the time, which is very rarely impressive. Yeah. Just at least in my life. Well, I think the question that Gabe asked in the beginning was, who am I now? Um, and that was, you know, when, when everything kind of turned over. So the the irony of that is he had pursued Christ. He was in the middle of all that, um, had a ton of success, was able to do some really great stuff. And knowing all the things that he's outlining here, he's still asking the question, who am I now? Um, I, I kind of wanted, like if I was God, which I'm not, but if I was God, I'd be like, hey man, uh, look, can you go back to the Psalms 193.13? Like, this is who you are. Like I've knit you together. I've created you. Yeah. And, and uh, he'd be like, Gabe, you already know this. Like, I'll I'll point you back to it. Like, I, I'm I'm a patient God. But have we have we not gotten to the point where you like kind of get it now? I guess not. All right, so we'll start over again. That's like the really patient version of it. <laughs> but it's like we, we we still struggle with that. that. Is like, the we, patient version? Like, Gabe has a a really good resume of experience trusting in God and and knowing who God is. 
uh, and who God created him to be, and he's still asking that question. And it's and you know what? God doesn't change. The answer's still there. So the, the verses are still there. You can still go back and read them. But I, I, but I also get where Gabe's coming from because it's like, well, everything that I've done, a lot of the success that I've had has also been me working with Jim and kind of being Jim's guy and, and like us as a team together. Now that now Jim's going this direction and I'm going this direction over here. Who am I now? And I, it goes back to the beginning of what I was talking about. It's like, I, I do feel like he was at, he, he continually asked the right question. Uh, not as a, like, who am I in terms of like who, who Christ says I am, but who am I in this next phase, in this next season? And, and, and what do I do with the gifts that I have? What, what, what do I do with the uh, experience that I have? Again, going back to, which I'm probably leaning way too hard on this in the beginning, but I, I just love the, the kind of the, in, the insight that he gave in the beginning of his story. Uh, he said he said there was something special about him to two about two different guys in his life, and I think these were two mentors in his life. One was Dr. Steve Green, and the other was Jim Bridenstein. And I think if you look at the foundation and the relationships that that he uh, sacrificed in order to go with both of those guys, it was really an accelerant to the rest of his career. He went and worked at a restaurant with Dr. Green for a, c- a couple of years, t- took a pay cut uh, just to get experience and to be around. A, a really good marketing mentor, a, real, a, a solid guy. I knew Dr. Green before he passed away. Uh, that man poured into my life. I, I still don't know why, but just a great, great man, uh, full of wisdom, full of knowledge, and he was so willing to share it. It was amazing. So I totally get why Gabe was like, yeah, even though I know this is a step back in my my income, this is a, a leap forward in my expertise and knowledge and and everything else. Jim, it was the same thing. There was something special about Jim. Something stood out to him about Jim. He, I mean, he said it was a two-hour sales call, and Jim was giving him a tour and getting to know him. And I think it just, I just, I think it just pulled, pulled him in to where he's like, all right, this is somebody that I can learn from. This is somebody who's passionate that I can, that I can tie in into that and make it into something. But so from the mentorship and the foundationship side, like there was. Again, he asked the right question. Are these the guys that I need to pursue and, and, and relationships that I need to develop for the uh, experience that I can get? But now he's at a point where it's like, all right, all that's over. What do I do next? And can I do that without these people? And my, my conversation with Gabe would be, absolutely. You have now all the tools to really do from a capacity standpoint, whatever you want. I, I don't think you have to ask the question, who, I, who am I now? I think you know who you are now. It's how do I take the gifts and and experience that I've developed through my my past through my history and, and find what what's the best use of those moving forward and staying in God's will, staying in God's plan for him. That's the right question to ask next. And I think that, you know, he's either in that right now or he's constantly asking going back to God and say, Okay, God, what's next for me? What's next for me? What's next for me? And I think that goes back into the relationship side of our walk with God to where we're including God in the good times. We're including God in the times that we really need to trust him and in the adversity. And just that's where the relationship strengthened to where if Gabe decides to run for Congress, like Gabe has all the experience in the world, he should have all the confidence in the world and just knows that, Hey, if this is what God's called me to do and this is what he's prepared me to do, then I'll step into that and know that even if I don't have the budget to win an election, if I'm in God's will, that's all that matters. If uh, if he has a, a continued career in NASA or wherever else, I mean, I'm sure his name will pop back up again at some point. 
he could walk into that too or something completely different. But all through that, trusting in God, knowing what God has for him and what God's prepared him to be and who God created him to be through his identity, I think that's the message in the story, the takeaways that we have of trust God, stay in the center of his will, know who God says you are, who he created you to be. And if you're doing those things, that's where God moves. That's where God can work. And ultimately, uh, you can find fulfillment. You can find multifaceted success in, in what you're doing. And man, that's, that's such a cool place to be. And it inspires me to continually pursue that from a brotherhood perspective. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you wrapped that very well in seeing how God moves. I mean, I remember it's you've required my quota to compliment you at least one. And I saw we were getting to the end. Came it down to the wire. You to fire me. So close. Yeah, you, you fired me that one month. So I'm uh Oh. I'm uh you were not I, I'm fired. a little sensitive. I know I got to follow the rules. Oh my gosh, there's no man Evan. Yeah. Keep pushing accolades to Evan. Keep pushing yep. it. Make sure you denote his strong revelation. Yeah, listen, yeah. I, I know how to play the game. This is where I make a game. joke about you being in God's will and when you're in God's will, it just all comes together. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's following the scripts. Yeah, yeah, that's where it is. That's that's how you feign ignorance of this required uh, praise that you oh give me. Oh, my gosh. All right. Listen, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I love your sarcasm sometimes. This is great. Well, brothers, next next Brotherhood Breakfast is Stephen Posey. We're excited to have him back. If uh, the, the exciting thing for Stephen is, like, he's the voice of Brotherhood for, like, all of these podcasts. So when you kind of hear the – the dramatic intro and all that stuff. That's this is the guy, but he's more than a voice. He's got a really awesome story. I'm excited to kind of hear about his journey. First Friday of the month, make sure that you guys get your tickets. If you can be there in person, we'd love to have you there. Um, I believe I'll be at this one. Um, my goal is to attend all of them. If not, I know Matt will be there to, to fill in for me. Uh, and, and so we completely cover our bases. But other than that, brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast.